It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to launch into our Bible study. We're looking at the story of Cain and Abel this week. Mm -hmm. And before we do, we have another clue for our quiz, the 400-pointer. That's right. For 400 points, what man, along with his wife, moved to Corinth from Italy when all the Jews were ordered to leave Rome? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do know the answer, you can win yourself a book from our selection of bargain books. We can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz, answer every single question correctly, win every single prize. But again, for 400 points, what man, along with his wife, moved to Corinth from Italy when all the Jews were ordered to leave Rome? 400 points. And uh, sneaky clue as well. The man and his wife's name kind of similar. Okay. There you go. All right. If you know the answer, give us a call. We've got a, few, <laughs> we've got a few text messages here, and we need to look at them. Some fairly serious ones here because we've been covering some fairly serious, um, some fairly serious stories. So let's begin with these ones here, or this one here. Um, all right. So somebody thinks that in your relationship to your story this morning. Mm-hmm. You have a mushroom brain. <laughs> <laughs> I got mushrooms in my brain. Mushroom brain. Oh, that's... suffering from mushroom brain. So sometimes you know we talk about this brain, that brain, the other that brain when we're doing silly things. Mushroom brain. I'm pretty sure mushroom brain is when you're like high on illicit mushrooms, and I am definitely not that. But if you want to class mushroom brain as just liking mushrooms because they taste good, then then yes, I'll happily claim to have mushroom brain. I'm going to remember this every time you mess up on radio. It's like <laughs> Mushroom brain. Mushroom brain is coming through. <laughs> Classic. Okay, the Japanese concentration camps in America, very sad time in history. Can't imagine how betrayed they must have felt since World War II. Japan has been a pacifist country, and only in the last few years have they been rearming themselves due to world events. What's interesting to see is how incredibly quickly Japan became a economic powerhouse yep. when they didn't have to spend all of their money on weapons yeah. or any of their money on weapons. And all of the engineers were like, instead of building planes, let's, let's build, build Toyotas. Toyotas, yep. And then they came out with the Land Cruiser and the world changed. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Oh, I, I think that's how it went. <laughs> Literally, that's how it went. The world changed because yep. Japanese, you know, and, and, and your Japanese... Your Japanese four-wheel drives. So many of your Japanese motorcycles, vehicles, like motorcycles, everything. Yeah. They're just legendary. Mm-hmm. Legendary for reliability, simplicity. Mm. Yeah, I remember like the Honda 4 750. It's like the, the four-cylinder 750 Honda that they brought out, whatever year that was. It was like literally changed the motorcycle market overnight. And, and they dominate. Yeah. You know, there's a very simple equation when it comes to buying a car. Uh-huh. And it's a rule of life to live by. Uh-huh. So listen to this here on Faith FM because you're going to get some petrol head advice. Uh-huh. It all comes down to the location of the blinkers. Oh, okay. Yeah. If the blinkers are on the left-hand side of the steering column, i.e. it's not made in Japan, uh-huh. it's going to cost you a lot in maintenance. And every time you go to the mechanic, it's going to cost you a fortune. Uh-huh. Right? And it's going to break down more often. Uh-huh. If it's on the right-hand side, it's made in Japan and you'll be fine. you good. But what if it's like domesticated for the Australian market? Well, it's it's a rule of thumb. Okay, okay. but you get the principle. Oh, okay, right? I see. I see a principle. So if it's imported from America or Europe, it's going to cost you a lot of money every time you go to see the mechanic. What if it's a new Kia and it has seven years of warranty? Man, I sound like a salesman. But... Yeah, well, Korea is kind of in the same category as Japan these days. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. know, the Asia, East, East Asia, Asia, East Asians, good to go. 
that all you have to do is look at the United States or Australia where Asians are, are like 8% above everybody else when it comes to any form of education or income or otherwise. There's a reason for this. These guys work hard. They for do sure. well. For sure. They are motivated. Mm-hmm. All right, Japanese concert. Oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. Where we, we get okay, the abortions post-birth, it's hard to believe that doctors who are supposed to be who are supposed to be human beings actually can do this. Yeah. I, yeah. Surely they can't be humans but demons. Surely when my dog was old and in pain, the vet came home, gave her an injection. In a matter of one minute, it died. Surely there must be a better way if they must kill babies in the womb. Mm. That story was so horrific. I'm still struggling with it. Yeah. But it it is interesting um, how this is being spun by people who are against this led well because then we talked about the oklahoma legislation afterwards as well i got another one here. you got another one on that yep good grief this story is the most horrifying story i've ever heard Mm. now i know this world is at the end how can any doctor kill babies never mind murder them in such an awful way Mm -hmm. i'm shattered from margie wow Okay, so how is it being spun? You were looking so at some of the spin. I, I was. So I was... Um, social media spin here. I goes. was on social media and uh, one particular guy who I uh, really enjoy following, he is a, a music critic. Um, he shared like a tweet from someone else on his Instagram, um, on his like Instagram story um, that obviously this guy's a different uh, opinion to me and he, he's from yeah, a different the, background. This is the other side of the story. This is the other side of the story. Um, but this is, this is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. Uh, this is in regards to the law in Oklahoma that's just been passed to ban abortion. This is what they've said. In Oklahoma, if a 13-year-old girl is sexually abused uh, and becomes pregnant, her abuser could spend as little as one year in jail and pay as little as a $500 fine. But the doctor who helps her terminate her traumatic pregnancy can now face up to 10 years in prison and a $100,000 fine. Okay, so did you catch, did you catch, as a listener, did you catch what happened just there? They compared, first of all, they compared minimum sentences with maximum sentences. Yes. yes. That's not a fair comparison uh-huh. Uh-huh. to begin with. But they also didn't look at what the law actually says in Oklahoma. And so that's where I decided to do some research and to find out what the law actually is. Okay. So for first, de- first de- degree rape in Oklahoma, which is somebody, any, any adult who has sexual relationships with a 13 year old. In fact, it's like, so first degree rape in general is, this is how it's like, I feel like this is the best definition that kind of blankets it. It says rape accomplished by any person by means of force, violence or threats of force or threats of violence accompanied by apparent power or execution, regardless of age of the person committing the crime. Okay. So that's basically any unwanted sex, any unwanted sex, but then it has a specific stipulation as well, um, for age differentials, like someone, um, being, you know, like it, it, it also gives laws for like rape of minors and, and that kind of thing. Now, so a rape of a minor is automatically first degree. Yeah, that's right. Um, but also unwanted sex is also first degree as well. Just quickly, before I get into the punishments for first degree, there's also second degree rape, which is basically anything. This is the, def- the definition of second degree rape. Any cases that isn't listed in first degree rape. So first degree rape is any unwanted sex. Yeah. Second degree rape is... If a lawyer can find a loophole in first-degree right. rape, we're still going to throw him in jail. That's right. And so I looked at the punishments for the crime. Okay, rape in the first degree is a felony punish. This is in Oklahoma. Is a felony punishable by f- uh, five years to life in prison without re- re- without parole or death. 
Okay, so let's let's compare <laughs> let's compare apples with apples, right? Let's compare yeah. apples with apples. If we're going to compare minimums, we compare minimums. If we're going to compare compare maximums, we can okay. compare maximums. Uh-huh. The tweet was comparing a minimum with a maximum. That's right. Which, by the way. This minimum that it was giving in the tweet was from second degree rape, which is one year to up to 15 years. Okay, so we're going to compare maximums with maximums. You've got 10 years for the doctor, 15 years for the rapist. Yes. In, 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 in the second degree. If it's second degree rape. If it's first degree rape, it's 10 years for the doctor and death for death, the rapist. Death, death for the rapist. But get this, because in this, uh, this is, I actually, I didn't tell you about this, Lara, but I read further and I found this. This is if the, the victim, is because in the uh, example that it gives, it's the victim's 13 years old. Okay. If the victim is under 14 years old and the person has a prior conviction for forcible, you know, Oh, that's, I don't even want to read it because it's terrible. Um, any type of molestation in any way and the child of a child under 14. So if they're a second time offender, immediately death or life in prison. Like, so, so. Oklahoma doesn't really muck around, do they? Yeah. Like, so either, like, if, if you're, if you have a history of abusing minors, Immediate life incentive, like life in prison. You're never getting or death. Um, and again, this first, um, this this first uh, example that I read of just like this is the the broad statement of anyone who is a committing the crime of rape or anyone who is getting rape, regardless of definitions. It's immediately five years without parole or you know life or death. So, yeah, it's the the point that I'm trying to make is that it's just absolutely ridiculous the spin that's being being put on this. And and I'm not even trying to attack the tweet in terms of the morality of abortion or anything. I'm just saying like this is just being spun to throw this legislation in such a terrible light that it shouldn't be in because as we've discussed this morning, abortion is horrific. It is. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so that was interesting. We've got a couple of other texts on that subject. Uh, this is the second good story coming out of America about making abortions illegal. Voted in by a majority of 70 to 14. Mm. Is the Holy Spirit guiding the minds of people to do right before he departs from the earth? Uh, funds for the Ukraine. I really wonder where will all the, all the donated money, where all the donated money worldwide is actually going to end up to the people who actually need it. Will they re- ever receive any? In this situation where you've got churches that are supporting uh, other churches and already have a mm. relationship with those churches, like, for instance, if you've got a sister church in the Ukraine, uh, which is what the story was about, then it most likely is going directly there uh, from one church to the other. Uh, but in, in some of these other situations, probably not. Even in Australia, millions were collected for the last huge bushfires, only to end up not where it was meant to go, or where the donors gave it for. It's sad and frustrating. And so there's some lessons we can learn right there. You can get in contact with people directly and help them out directly. You know, Mm. when we have disasters in Australia like bushfires and floods, we can can directly help people out because these people are our neighbours. Finally, this text message, false creation science. Can can you fight God and actually think you can win? Praise creation science. Uh, Praise creation science for their good fight against those who hate God in the name of science. The false scientists surely need our prayers that God may open their eyes and hearts before it is too late. Mm. So those are the rest of our text messages from this morning. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Do you send your messages through? Do send your question of the day through? Uh, we would love to hear your question and answer it here on Faith FM. There is no question that we have received yet that we have not answered. So 
up until this point. Maybe you can find one that we can't answer. Send it through. Mm. All right, what have we got for our Bible study? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to continue this story of Cain and Abel. Uh, Let's go Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 to 16. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 to 16. The Bible says, Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian or keeper? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. (laughs) Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer of the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence, and you have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, "No, for I'll give you a sev- uh, for I'll give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you." Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, so this is an interesting story you've got taking place right here. Uh, this whole conversation that God has with Cain at this particular time, and we need to work our way down through it and find out, you know, how does God begin this conversation? He asked him a question. Okay, so how does that similar to what God has been doing previous to this? Uh, As in in Genesis chapter 3, for instance. Oh, yeah. He he asks questions. He investigates. So... Does, does does God not know the answer? Well, God actually tells him the answer when, when Cain lies to him. Cain's like, I don't know where my brother is. And he's like... I can hear his blood. Like that's a pretty that's a pretty metal kind of comparison, right there. But I can hear his blood crying out from the ground. Like clearly, God knows what has happened, um, but he's investigating for the purpose of those around, for the people. Absolutely. So let's think about this for a moment. Let's think about the response that Adam made in comparison to the response that Cain makes when God says to Adam, "What have you done?" What does Adam say? Adam says, "The woman." Yes. She has... That you gave me. That you gave me. Yes. She blames God. He blames God. Oh, but then he, he says, God, yeah. but then he says, gave me the fruit and I... I ate. Okay. So he confesses. Uh-huh. He just blames God. Uh-huh. Uh, what does Cain do? Does he confess? Cain's not. He's like, he's trying to hide it. Like, he's next level. Yeah. God says, where's your brother? And he's like, and he says, I don't know. He has no compulsion. And then when he's even pressed about it, he's like, am I my brother's keeper? Like, what, am I supposed to look after Abel? Yeah, he talks back to God. Oof. He shows attitude to God. Mm, for killing his brother. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> this is pretty full on where, you know, you and, and what it shows you is, is how corrupt the human heart is and how quickly we went from perfection mm. to murder. Mm. And not just murder, but heartless murder of a sibling. Mm. You know, because there are different levels of murder. You know, you might shoot somebody on a battlefield and you might only see them from, say, 300 metres away and, you know, you take a shot. They're trying to shoot you. They're trying to shoot you. You shoot back. They drop. You never have any further experience with it whatsoever at all. And that would probably be one of the least traumatic um, and most easily justified, if you wanted Mm. to justify it, uh, killings of another human being, but then if you kill somebody who's close to you, there's a there's an extra level of level of heinous to that, yeah. heinousness to that, over jealousy as well. Yeah, like 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 it's a p- very personal situation that could be dealt with. Like you know, we talk about uh, acts of self defenses. 
uh, yes. d- defense as well. Like, say someone breaks into your house, they're will- brandishing a knife, and you shoot them. Um, they're going to come at you and kill you, and you shoot them, and they end up dying. Like, that's self-defense. And yes, as traumatic as that would be, well, it's pretty traumatic for them because they've died. Uh, and it's pretty traumatic for you because they're trying to attack you. Like this, Yeah, you're going to have PTSD from that. You're not going to get away from that lightly. It's going to affect your yeah, life. Yeah, 100%. But in this case, they're having, like, a family squabble that could literally... This is, this is his brother. They, this could that could be overcome with a conversation. That's right, and a decision. Uh-huh. I choose not to be jealous. Oh, yeah, problem solved. I choose not to. Oh, I'm gonna bring the right sacrifice next time. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna change. It's not like God has slapped Cain. Yeah, or beat him up, or even said something bad to Cain. God hasn't actually even said anything to Cain when he brings the wrong sacrifice. He just doesn't honor it. He's just like, hey, Cain, do better this next time, the, please. Is, that's right. This is the most mild appeal that God could make when Cain brings the, mon- wow. the wrong sacrifice. <laughs> wow. And Cain just goes down this path where he ends up killing his brother. Yeah. So this is not just killing another human being. This is not just self-defense. This is none of those things. This is actually premeditated murder of his brother. And what you notice is that he waits until his brother goes out into the field by himself. Mm. He's planned this. Mm -hmm. He tracks his brother down. He stalks him. He finds him. He makes sure there's no witnesses, and he kills him there. Mm. You know, you talk about first, second, third degree. Yeah, wow. This is first degree. That's right. Because it's premeditated. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to murder, you have first, second, third degree murder and then manslaughter. And you'd never be able to classify this one as being manslaughter in <laughs> any way, shape, or form because of the premeditation. It can yes. only be first degree. Mm-hmm. So he tracks him down there. And, and, and this shows, you know, in, in how far down in history are we? Like literally one generation. Years? Yeah. 20, 30 years, maybe, mm-hmm. something like that. Probably no more than that from the very first sin. Mm. And notice what sin has done to the human race. Mm -hmm. Sin has corrupted the human race in that short amount of space so much that the most horrific and heinous sins are already being committed. And what it shows is the nature of sin because we, we, we sort of think of, well, sin, you know, maybe it sort of comes on us gradually. Sin is not a, the sinful nature is not a gradual thing. Either you have a sinful nature or you do not have a sinful nature. And we look at ourselves and think, well, I could never murder my brother. Mm. We look at ourselves and we, we, we talk about, you know, this abortion story that we had this morning or we talk about, um, you know, the rape illustration mm. that we have and we say, well, I could never do that. The simple reality is is that every single one of us is capable of anything. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we are capable of it, given the right circumstances, is because every single one of us has a sinful nature and that's what a sinful nature does. Mm-hmm. And without the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, that's what we would do. Mm. So I, I guess the big lesson that jumps out to me right here is don't ever underestimate sinful nature mm. and don't ever underestimate what Satan would do through you given the chance if you turn away from God, if you cut yourself off from the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit in your life, you are capable of the most extreme acts. Mm. 
And the, the the reason that we don't know this, and we reason we sort of think, nah, not me, could never, I could never do that, is because character is not revealed in times of peace. Character right. is revealed in time of crisis, yep. and you don't know what your character is and what you're capable of because you have never been confronted with that particular situation. Mm. But place yourself in that that situation, and yeah, guess what? Without God in your life. You are absolutely capable. In fact, you will do the most heinous things if you do not have the influence of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're up to the last one, the big 500-pointer. Here it comes. What have you got for us, Lawson? What specific activity, according to Mark and Luke, did Jesus forbid newly cast out demons to do? There's definitely 500-pointer there. Do you know the answer to that one, Lyle? Read the question one more time. <laughs> I was a million miles away. <laughs> he was preparing he, the next section of the was, Bible. Study. He was thinking. Um, okay, five hundred points. What specific activity, according to Mark and Luke, did Jesus forbid newly cast out demons to do? Hmm. <laughs> the gears are turning. The gears are turning. The gears are turning. The gears are turning. But I don't think he knows it. So I'm, I'm on the tip line. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. Uh, if you do know the answer, you can win our giveaway for today, uh, which is the book "If My People Pray: An Eleventh Hour Call to Prayer and Revival" by Randy Maxwell. What would happen in our homes, churches, and communities if we followed God's humble counsel in Second Chronicles seven fourteen? Humbles ourselves and prayed. I think amazing thing would, things would happen, and this book is all about that. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And again, that question is, what specific activity, according to Mark and Luke, did Jesus forbid newly cast out demons to do? All right, let's go to our Bible study, and we would love to hear from you guys and hear your thoughts on the Bible study this morning. But we are in, uh, uh, let's, let's just... Why don't you read for us first 10, uh, let me see, through 15, if you could read that for us again, just to remind us what the Bible says there. Sure. But the Lord says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, uh, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will you yield uh, will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work? From now on, you'll be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to, bre- to bear. You have, fit- you have banished me from the land and from your presence and have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I'll give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, so Cain is like, he, he, denies, his, he denies his actions twice. Uh-huh. And he shows, God's, God, he shows God attitude. So when God says, you know, where's your brother? He's like, I don't know. You know, am I my brother's keeper? Mm-hmm. So he denies it twice, and when God says, look, I'm God. You're talking to God right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the <laughs> ground. You know, you've killed your brother. What are you trying to think that you can somehow deceive God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic bro, I'm literally God move. Yeah. That's <laughs> I know what happened. I know what's up. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting how God responds to this because God mm-hmm. said, 
what have you done? So here comes God's next question. So God has been asking questions, and Cain has just been denying, denying. Mm-hmm. I haven't done anything. And so God says, what have you done? And then God does not give him an answer to reply because God is sick of hearing of his lies mm-hmm. and says, the voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Mm-hmm. God's like, I'm God. You know, I'm, you know I know this. Yep. And so then he pronounces his his punishment on Cain. So what kind of punishment does Cain receive? Um, so from this point forward, he can't yield good crops. Okay, so he has really, really enjoyed growing things. He's a mm-hmm. green thumb, and now it's going to be a lot harder for him. Mm-hmm. And what else? Um, he is made to be, as my Bible says, a homeless wanderer on the earth. And what's interesting here is that this is this is the point where Cain's punishment really hits home because mm. suddenly he's like, oof, oof, this is too much to bear. Mm. Cain was obviously a sociable person mm. and he's now been cast out of his family and you know sent away to be by himself. But not only that, it goes on in verse 14, Behold, you have driven me out, Cain says this, you've driven, it, driven me out this day from the face of the earth and from your face I will be hid. Mm. So he suddenly realizes that God has cut him off. Mm. And that would be a very, very heavy thing to understand. This is like a parent cutting off their irresponsible kids kind of thing. Like, and they're like, no, this is too much for me. But like, terrible, uh, Cain has done something absolutely terrible here. And so, yeah, this is the, this, the, the consequences that he needs to be hit with. Yeah, okay, coming through on the text message, no excusing Cain for what he did. Have you considered that Satan himself was on his case, imbuing him with the spirit of rebellion? He wanted to make him the first physical murderer in the universe, totally destroying the belief of Adam and Eve that Cain was, at least in the early days, the promised saviour. Imagine how they must have felt. Mm. Jealousy, hate, envy are all traits of Satan. Cain still had a choice, but his character did not develop as it should have. Mm. Really, really good observation there. That you know, Satan was Satan's basically demonstrating, yeah, this is this is this is what happens if you become a follower of me. Mm. Okay, but it gets even more interesting because he is sent out. He receives this particular curse. He says this is too big, and the point at which he says it's too big is when he realizes that he's been cut off from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes, and we're, we're going to move on here a little bit. And I want you to read verse 17 because verse 17 answers a very important question that I get asked surprisingly often. Okay. Uh, In verse 17, the Bible says, Cain had sexual relations with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city, which he named Enoch after his son. Okay. Now, I'm often asked the question, who was Cain's wife? Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm asked that question is because people read the Bible and have an incredibly narrow view of the Bible, Mm -hmm. and they read, well, Adam and Eve had Cain, Abel, uh, and Seth, and Abel was killed, and so they have Cain and Seth, and those are the only children they have, and then we read on down through, and you read, well, this person had this person, and this person had this person, and they assume that those were the only people in the earth, Mm. because those are the only ones that are mentioned. (laughs) But I want you to notice here that the earth is clearly heavily populated because Cain builds a city and calls it after his firstborn son, Enoch. Mm -hmm. So there was obviously a lot of people in the world already. Mm -hmm. And if you do the figures on this, uh, you can get many millions of people in a very, very short space of time when you've got people who have a lifespan 
of 900 years. Yeah. and it, But even if you look at like what we call like, you know, exponential increase, which is something that I feel like we really don't consider, like, you know, like one plus one is two, two plus two is four, four, like very quickly the population is growing at a rapid rate to the point where yes. there's lots and lots and lots of people yes. because it's growing exponentially. That's right. Mm. Absolutely. And so Cain does, well, pretty much the opposite of what God says, mm-hmm. and Cain goes and builds a city. <laughs> yeah. uh, so rather than you know uh, being separated from society, he builds a city and invites the whole of society to come to his city. And this is interesting about cities because this city is obviously the first city that is mentioned anywhere in the Bible, and cities become throughout the Bible pretty much a hotbed of bad things. Sin. Sin. So, Lal, is your application if you live in the city, then... It's a less conducive environment to righteousness. But if you live in the bush, it is a more conducive environment <laughs> to righteousness. A very simple formula uh, right there. And so you've got Cain's rebellion continues. You don't find that Seth's line goes and builds a city. I'm sure that they did because they intermarry with Cain's line and so forth. We find that happening down through the Bible. But he builds a city. And he is doing all of this. He's, basically, this is his rebellion continuing against God. Mm-hmm. And so the assumption was: the assumption is that the only people that ever lived before the flood are the ones that are mentioned in the Bible. Is just a little bit ridiculous. Mm. There was a lot of people, and there were a very large population in our world when the time of the flood came. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now we're going to have answers for our quiz questions. All right. For 100 points, the answer was pigs. For 200 points, the answer was coveting. For 300 points, the answer was dry bones. For 400 points, the answer was aquila. And finally, for 500 points, the answer was speak. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. Okay. So the question of the day is, it comes from Darren, and he says... When the mark of the beast becomes law, how will this be enforced? Many uh, New World Order government members and the elite rich in society are connected by witchcraft and satanic ritual worship. Most despise Christianity and would never attend a church or worship Christ, according to the New World Order researchers. Okay, it's a very valid point right here. Uh, one of the things that I want to point out is that when you read Revelation chapter 13 in relationship to the mark of the beast, that there are two different ways that you can receive it. Uh, the Bible says in verse 15 that, sorry, verse 16, he causes all small and great, rich and poor to receive a, a mark either in their right hand or in their forehead. So that's a very important distinction right there. And so there are two different ways of receiving the mark of the beast. You can receive it in your forehead or in your right hand. Now, what we've got to look at is what does the Bible say about uh, about you know what does the hand symbolize? What does the forehead symbolize? Uh, if we go to well, say Deuteronomy chapter sixteen verse fifteen as an example, and there's twenty two, twenty five sorry, twenty five different places where you're going to find the same phrase in the Bible. What is the hand all about? Um, the Bible talks about you know keeping a solemn feast because the Lord your God shall bless you and all your increase in all the works of your hands. Therefore shall, shall you surely rejoice. The Bible speaks about the work of their hands because they have forsaken me. This is in Second Kings and have burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with the works of their hands. Uh, you've got the same one in Chronicles. You've got it in Psalms 8 verse 6. Thou uh, madest him to have dominion over the works of your hands. 
because you regard not the works nor the operation of his hands. For the Lord your God has made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. Work and hands are two things that go hand in hand together. Pardon the pun. Okay, so the hands symbolize actions. Mm-hmm. Talking about the things that you do. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to the forehead, the Bible says this. Uh, you'll find this in Hebrews chapter 8 and you'll find it in many other places in the Bible. This is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people, uh, etc. And so the forehead is the mind and mm-hmm. particularly we now know exactly why God has chosen the forehead because the forehead is the area of the brain where the frontal lobe is, where you make moral decisions. That's where moral decisions are made. And a person who has a brain disease in the frontal lobe of their brain are unable to make moral decisions. And so there are two different ways in which people will receive the mark of the beast. One, by works. In other words, this is a practical thing to do. Mm -hmm. They have no moral reason for doing it whatsoever at all. They are not following the law of the beast. They are following something that is something that they do. And so you can see, for instance, how the environmental movement is being used right now by people who are completely godless to push for things like a Sunday law. They're not interested in going to church on Sunday, but they want to have a Sunday law for environmental reasons. Mm -hmm. Then on the flip side, you've got people who are pushing it for for moral reasons. They're looking at the moral degeneracy of our world. They're looking at morality collapsing in our world, and they are on the ideological opposite side of those who are pushing for it from an environmental perspective. And so your environmentalists are on the left, your 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 um, your religionists, yeah. your moralists are on the right, and they're both pushing for exactly the same thing. Wow. And so what you've got there is an example of how two different sides of a very polarised society can find absolute unity, one from a moral perspective and one from a works, a practical perspective, just as the Bible says would happen at the end of time. And so as we see, you know, these ideological contrasts and polarizations happening in our world, those polarizations are happening in a way that will make the mark of the beast so much easier to enforce in the time in which we live. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.